Hi out there. I'm Pat Paul, and I'd like to welcome you to my show, Artbeat Northwest. Each week, we interview people from the performing arts or the visual arts, and this week, we're talking with Mark Titzler, and Mark is a Seattle glass artist specializing in kiln-fired and fused glass art and now in plasma neon art. With degrees in industrial design and ceramic art, he has been working in art and design for over 30 years. Mark is an instructor at the Studio Art at Corning Museum of Glass, a very famous one, Penland School of Craft, another famous one. There, These are all great places you work, where you work, Mark. The Glass Furnace in Istanbul, Turkey, Pratt Fine Arts Center, we know that one, Tacoma's Museum of Glass, and the Fry Art Museum. His studio produces commissions for business, hospitals, department stores, and private collectors nationwide, and his art glass is featured in galleries across the country. Recent commissions include the Mayo Clinic, Kaiser Permanente, Planned Parenthood, Goodwill Industries, Audubon Society, Colorado Council on the Arts, Providence Hospital, and Nordstrom's, among many others. He has a huge list. And he has recently been working with Fused Glass and Plasma Neon Filling. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thank you very much. We're so happy you could come in and talk about your new, uh, your new kind of art you're doing here. Now, before we get started, though, I want to talk about a couple of events coming up next week. Because, you know, Christmas is a coming, right? And Saturday, December 1st is, um, well, it's actually called Drawing Jam. And uh, the theme is Drawing Together. And this is at Gage Academy. Wonderful place for kind of uh, uh, standard art but anyway, you can get creative with drawing materials, sculpture, live models, live music, and food trucks. That's, this is December 1st, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., so next weekend. All day long, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., they have materials, instruction, everything. It's just a wonderful place to be. Gage activates its entire campus for the community. And tickets are only $15 for the day. And, of course, they include art supplies and demos and instructors. And But families, listen up. Free under age 15, so bring the kids. They'll have a great time. Now, if you're looking for reasonable handcrafted items uh, for the holidays, check out Urban Craft Uprising in the e- Exhibition Hall at Seattle Center. Now, that is December 1st and 2nd, which is, again, next weekend. 150 craftsmen will be there. And then on the east side, Hilltop Holiday Craft Show will be at the Northwest Arts Center. Uh, That's there on 24th Street uh, near the top of Clyde Hill. And uh, this is open November 28th to December 1st. Lots of local art for holiday giving. we got to support those local artists. That's true. (laughs) That is true. We'll be back shortly talking with Mark Ditzler, fused glass and plasma neon artist on Artbeat Northwest. Stay tuned to Alternative Talk 1150. 
From new exhibitions to community events, Bellevue Arts Museum is always new, always different, and always exciting. Through March 24th, see Dylan Newworth, Omnia. Newworth is a contemporary artist working with light, space, and interactive technologies. The exhibition traces a metaphorical life cycle from the cosmic to the personal, including work in video, performance, sculpture, and neon. The museum's fifth biennial, BAM Biennial 2018, BAM Glass-tastic will be on view from November 9th through April 14th. This juried exhibition showcases the best work in glass from 48 established and emerging Northwest artists, craftspeople, and designers. For more information, visit BellevueArts.org. Alternative Talk 1150, here to uplift your day. Welcome back to Art Beat Northwest. We're here talking with Mark Gitzler about fused glass and plasma, plasma neon on Artbeat Northwest, and by the way, Mark has a wonderful piece in the Glastastic show at, that they just talked about at the Bellevue Arts Museum, which is in its entirety a wonderful show, so be yes, sure to get is. there. Yes, but Mark, let's, we've got a wide audience here, so let's talk about, first of all, uh, what is fused glass, which is kind of the basis for what you're doing right now? That's right. Um, Fused glass is glass that is uh, made in a kiln, and the materials come in sheets, and you, you basically design um, your project, and then you cut out the glass, put it in the kiln, and melt it together around 1,500 degrees. And then um, after doing a little work to it, you can slump it and create a shape, usually bowls or you know um, open shapes. You can't really blow glass. Uh, you can't make a bubble like with blown glass, but you can make uh, flat things and curved things. Um, and you have made huge uh, projects using just this fused glass technique. Uh, you must have huge kilns to work with. I do have a 4 by 8 kiln and a b bunch of smaller ones. Um, I started out doing smaller work and then I sort of worked my way up into doing sinks and countertops. And um, the installations are usually designed to be assembled out of smaller pieces. So oh. that it's not that you really want to make a big, gigantic thing and have a hard time shipping it somewhere. And then um, if it breaks, you're right. really in All trouble. All your eggs are in one basket. <laughs> yeah. So I, I try to uh, make modular um, designs that can be assembled out of pieces and it looks good that way. It's easier to ship. And you have been doing this for so long. I told Mark that he has made so many totally different kinds of pieces that he must be have been reinventing himself over all these years. And, of course, he's reinventing himself again. He's doing this plasma neon. How long have you been doing the plasma neon? Um. I had an original project back in the 90s, but um, that was just a very small sort of an idea test. And um, in 2016, I, I went to Pilchuck and took a class with Wayne Stratman, who is a sort of a father of plasma neon. He's very well established out of Boston, Massachusetts. And he wrote the book on plasma neon, too. Basically, yeah, <laughs> neon everything. He's he's a, an expert. And... Um, so at the Pilchuck class, we were using flame-working torches and hand torches to shape pyrex or borosilicate tubing. 
And um, one of the little exercises that he had planned was doing a piece in a kiln. And so naturally I was very interested in doing that. And um, nobody else really seemed to pay much attention, but boy, it really got me back to that original idea. Right. So following that class, Wayne and I were awarded a residency at the Corning Museum of Glass, and we spent two weeks experimenting in their studios. And um, again, he helped me quite a bit, and we came up with some cool ideas. But when the uh, invitation for Glass-tastic came along, I had a bunch of things from that residency that were already sort of developing. Ah. And so from there, you know, I just kind of went went forward and it was a little scary at times because you know my idea wasn't fully developed but they that's what they wanted for the show is they wanted the artists to really stretch it out there and do something they hadn't done before let's have you describe your piece because i thought it was quite wonderful and the one of the best things about it is it's interactive which may have a place in public spaces you know uh, to keep people kind of you know, uh, interested, you could make it relaxing or exciting. or Right, I hope so. That was sort of part of the proof of concept for that design was to show that you could do that. And I know um, Wayne and other artists have done bar tops and things for, say, uh, a casino or somewhere where they want some kind of uh, very flashy interior um, wall or sculpture. But in the case of mine, uh, I wanted to sort of also make a political statement. So what it is is a series of panels that have um, small phosphor-coated beads inside. And as the uh, plasma moves around inside the, um, the glass envelope, it sort of illuminates these different colored areas of the piece. And so I put words that were um, sort of a, a commentary on our lack of, of facts and truth-telling in, in the public uh, fear, sphere these days. And, um, you know, when I started planning it, it was way back, gosh, before a lot of the recent political happenings, but it was just like snowballing, and I was trying to deal with it. So anyway, the the idea for the piece and the way I designed it is that you can actually approach it and touch the surface of the glass, and when you do, you become sort of a an antenna and the, the plasma discharge comes over behind the little word, and it lights up a different color from the... Uh, the and, and it's very fascinating and exciting that yeah, it lights up like that. It's you pretty know, fun to play when you with. you touch it, you yeah, know? Yep. I, during the opening, I took some videos of people walking by, and it's really great to watch how they, they're so taken by it. And they were really talking about it when I was there. But, oh, have you seen the one where you... You touch it and well, it lights good. up. <laughs> and, you know, also when you first see it, you know, it looks like um, uh, lightning inside, too. It so it's exactly very that. attractive to the eye. And then you're invited to touch it. it. says on a little sign you can touch it. So you touch the word and it gives you a punch of color. And it's really, really fun. It also says your vote counts. Are you counting those votes somehow? Well, I, I believe the museum is is having people vote on their favorite piece, so everybody should vote for me. Oh, oh, oh. Well, <laughs> no, I I'm thought joking. you were I thought you were counting on how many people touched Actually, each word. Well, that would be nice if I had the electronics for that. Um, 
you know, I wouldn't say that would be impossible. I don't have the the ability to do that on that piece. But what's neat about this technology is I think that it's, you know, there's a lot of cool electronics involved. Um, people are familiar with uh, the STEM principles, science, uh, technology, engineering, and math. Yes. This project is filled with that. and So it's really a crossover between absolutely. technology, science, and art, yep. and STEM, what you call. Yeah, and one of the reasons I got into industrial design is because I wanted... I love the crossover between technology and art. And I was sort of oriented towards science when I started school, and I stumbled into this program. It, it was a long time ago, and it's different now, but um, that's what I liked, is how you can take a design. You're, you're the artist that's helping the engineer make their product more human-friendly, and the inter- interactive interface is where the designer comes in to kind of make it better. And, and and that kind of approach is what has made you so successful with with um, organizations that need to have a certain type of like wall uh, presentation. That's right. That fits like in hospitals they probably have a they want it to be soft or they want it to be uh, I, I'm sure they welcoming. give you certain specifications. Right. And if it was a children's clinic, you'd want to interact with the kids on a level where they weren't afraid of it. I've had hospital projects where they say no red, no red in the artwork. You oh, know. yeah. So <laughs> it's like, my... okay, no red. <laughs> and, you know, I like having these um, some rules for the design process because then you can dial it in. And it's kind of a challenge. That's why I like doing what I do. So you've enjoyed the challenge of all these projects, and it's it's kind of a renaissance idea that you've been able to incorporate all of these STEM principles with your art. You know, a lot of times those two things don't come with one person. You have to coordinate. Of course, you coordinate it with a well, lot of people. Well, you need people. help. Yeah, I, yeah, I needed yeah. a lot of help. But, yeah. um what I would say to art students who are out there and they're wondering if what they're learning is going to ever be worth something, I take things that I learned at Cornish back in the 70s and I still employ them in the type of glass that I do now. I, I use silk screening that I learned, I don't know, probably 1979 or something. That's how old I am. But, <laughs> I, you know... You but you, think, you you just gradually have more and more techniques at your disposal. More ammo in your pocket, you know, and so you have a problem and you say, well, what can I use to solve this problem? Oh, yeah, I have this silk screen or I know how to sandblast or I've done some flame working. I use a lot of flame working in my fused glass and I do a lot of um, pulled cane, which is a hot shop technique. And I lay that in, and when it melts into a glass sink, it's just wonderful because you can see the in- internal structure in there. Um, the and fuse- you have beautiful glass sinks. They are gorgeous. Thank you. You have probably made a lot of those, and they all are different again. You yep. Know? Every, well, I have a, some set designs, and what happens is you put a picture out there, and then people sort of look at those pictures and want something like that. But often you'll get a special project, and... Those are the ones I really like. Now, you started out actually in ceramics mm-hmm. after you graduated. Yep. How has that affected what you do? Um, 
when I first learned about fused glass, it was a natural crossover from the kilns and molds and things that I'd already been doing with, with ceramics. So um, plaster, make, making plaster uh, molds, making clay positives or models. Oh, yes. Um, you know, I learned how to, I knew how to wheel throw so I could make my own, um, you know, um, dinnerware molds, um, things like that. I, I actually threw the mold that I use for my sinks. It's a gigantic bowl made on the potter's wheel, and I've used it hundreds of times. <laughs> so I just have my fingers Really crossed. good use for ceramics. Yes. And, you know, that's what, if you were to purchase a mold, you would be getting a a ceramic mold is just made in a factory. So people and, who, they, and they're standard shapes, and it's exactly. very valuable to have your own shapes. Yep. And when I when I teach classes, I tell my my students, you know, you have to you have to break out of the box and sort of develop your own aesthetic because otherwise, fusing is very easy. It's sort of like baking cookies. You just put your work in there and push the button, but then it's so standard. You know, and using the molds that are you know, out of the catalogs are very standard. So it is very important to develop your own way and find your own look by using whatever methods you, you already know. So it would be good for somebody who is working with fused glass to know some pottery because that's where you, it is, it's going to upgrade your work to yep. have wonderful, innovative shapes yep. for sure. It would not hurt at all to, you know, take a painting class. There's lots of materials that can be painted on glass. There's, you know, you can mix your glass with metals, so you could be a metal artist and incorporate glass. Kiln forming is very versatile, and that's why I like it so much. I can I can um, do a lot of things and really take my time to think about it, and then when it's time to push the button and fire it, you know, you hopefully you've got all your ducks in a row, so... <laughs> Well, so what actually led you from ceramics into glass? How did that happen? Um, I was teaching at Seward Park Art Studio, and Pratt and Seward were sort of sisters in the same arts organization. And at the time, um, an instructor at one place could take free classes at the other. So I was able to take some neon classes and some glassblowing classes for free at Pratt. And um, way back in the day, I bent some neon, and I worked with some people who were, you know, they had all the equipment. But I was raising a family, and I was working another job, and I didn't really have the ability to start my own neon shop. So I kind of put that that method in my in my uh, my toolbox and waited for the right time to do it. I guess. But you must have been fascinated with just glass itself. Because you switched right from ceramics to to kiln glass right away, right? Yeah. Well, it was. It just seemed like the the uh, fused glass thing came along at the right time, and um, it it is a really great way to jump into glass. And um, all of the things that I learned from ceramics were easily applicable. I I basically took an old deserted kiln and I made it into my first fusing kiln by using scraps of an old kiln. And people can do that by going on Craigslist and buying a kiln and rewiring it. It wouldn't cost them anything. So it's easy to get into it. But you know but you know how to do those things. There's a little engineering. <laughs> yeah, there for engineering. You. <laughs> Not everybody knows how to do that. So why do you like glass fusing 
better than glass blowing? Glass blowing is uh, a really cool thing. I, I have taught some classes with other instructors where they are sort of the, the blowing experts, and I'm the kiln person, and we'll do what's called roll-up technique where you oh, yes, roll I a know. tile. Um, the cane pulling that I do is all made out of sheet glass. It's basically cut to shape, layered to, so the colors are in the right order, and then you pick them up on a pipe and you pull them out. But blowing glass requires that you work 24-7. You are the slave to your glass studio because your furnace is running every day, all day long. And all that energy consumption is huge. So you really have to keep working it. And um, Gets to be a monkey on your back, maybe. Well, (laughs) I, I honestly couldn't afford developing a studio. I had a friend who had a beautiful studio, and I worked for him for a brief time, and it was great to be there. But I just looked around and thought, no way, I can't. I, I don't have the dedication to this, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm able to pull cane in my, in a glory hole that it just rolls into the corner when I'm done. It doesn't have to, you know. It doesn't doesn't have to be on all the time. So, well, and it gives you a lot more freedom to do, you know. It, you're not tied to that, right? So that's great. Now, I have to ask you. You know, part of what you do. I saw your exhibit at. Uh, Columbia City Gallery too, mm-hmm. and a lot there. There was an interactive piece, but there were a lot of them that kind of looked like standard neon pieces. Yeah, but but they were not neon in the sense that they were bent tubing. They were made in the kiln, and the channels that were in the glass were made by kiln firing it over different materials to create the space for the neon to to be you know, to occupy. So. Oh, interesting. They look just like, you know, regular neon. But listen, it's already time for a break. Stay tuned to Artbeat Northwest for more about glass art and plasma neon from Mark Disler. We'll be right back. Support for Artbeat Northwest with Pat Polly comes from Pratt Fine Arts Center, offering year-round classes for youth, teens, and adults. Located in the central area, Pratt is the only facility in the Northwest where absolute beginners and established professional artists work side-by-side creating art in glass, metal, stone, and wood sculpture, jewelry and metal smithing, painting, drawing, printmaking, and mixed media. Learn more and register for classes at Pratt.org. Alternative Talk, 1150 on AM, 98.9 HD3 on HD, 1150kknw.com on the web. Welcome back to Artbeat Northwest. We're here talking with Mark Ditzler about fused glass and plasma neon on Artbeat Northwest. And now, this is a simple question, but your plasma pieces do need to be plugged into an electrical outlet, do they not? Yes, they do. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, they have a, an electronic power supply that, that basically um, creates high-voltage, high-frequency electricity, but at a low amperage. So it gets in there, and it creates plasma, which is the fourth state of matter. It's um, There's solid, liquid, and gas, and plasma is ionized, so the atoms split apart, and it's when they give off their the light... Um, so it's like lightning. When you see lightning, it's actually plasma coming down through the air in a highly charged pathway, which is similar to what goes on inside the glass. 
Um, and so the electronics is kind of a big part of it. And uh, figuring that out is takes some fooling around. <laughs> yes, I'm sure it does. But it is fascinating to see. Now, how would you uh, use this concept? How do you, I'm sure you've thought about this. Say you're doing a public art uh, installation for a big corporation or a hospital. How would you see that being used? I'd like to see it, you know, in a hallway or somewhere where people can interact with it as they walk by. Um, I'm sure there's people who could um, make it even more interactive. Like you were mentioning earlier about counting the, the number of touches you know, we have touchscreen TVs and things like that now, so there is sort of that that possibility. I'm not sure how it would work with all the other electricity going on in the glass, but um, what I would really love to do is have, you know, a corridor or a lobby where people could come up and approach something that was big and have it be interactive, colorful, um, just something to distract them for a minute from from their walk down the airport hallway or across the plaza or whatever they're doing. Or, or in a children's clinic. Yep. Or a dental office. Yep, exactly. You know, so kids are just kind of taken a little bit away from this atmosphere that's maybe not as favorable as yep. they might, you know, want. Exactly. Okay, well, I uh, thank you so much for coming thank in. You. Uh, you've had a wonderful career and you've been creative with in so many ways thank um, you what could you advise our listeners about creative? i would say if you're an art student you just have to you have to get in there and you know figure it out it's it sometimes seems very daunting to work for yourself and um, i think people have a attitude about artists that we all sit around in our pajamas all day but it's actually very difficult planning your path and once you've got it figured out, it's very rewarding, but it, it does take some dead ends and winding pathways. And you've taken a lot of those. Yes, I have. And you've gotten a lot of places. <laughs> now, how can we find your website online to see more of your creations? Um, www.markditzler.com is my website. I have a Facebook a page that is Mark Ditzler Glass Studio. And... Um, Boy, I'm trying to think what else. I believe that's it. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Be sure to listen in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. drive time for Artbeat Northwest. I'm Pat Polly signing off on Alternative Talk 1150. Have a great creative week.